You've counted down the seconds. Now make every second count for you. University of Maryland Global Campus will help you wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to a new year where you take the next step in your education. Whether you want to study business, cybersecurity, healthcare, or IT, University of Maryland Global Campus can help. Apply by January 31st and we'll waive your application fee. Learn online. Visit umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. Welcome to Radiovania. This is John Swansong Parker at that John Parker on Twitter. And sitting across from me is Zach Rotello at Zach Rotello on Twitter. Zach, how's it going? It's going well, buddy. How's it going? It's good. How do you like this little other end of the spectrum? It's a little odd. It's like, like, uh, you know, you know, you open the closet thinking there's a monster and it actually, it's Sully. Yeah. 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 It's a whole thing. But yeah. So what what are we up to, buddy? So what we got for you guys is we got a special treat for you. Uh, We're doing our Radiovania Lost cast. Lost as in Lost. The TV show from ABC. This has been a long time coming. It is has it has been a long time coming. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. For those of you that don't know, Lost is one of my all-time favorite TV shows, if not my favorite TV show. And I always talk to Zach about it, and usually he's like, "Yeah, okay." And it's just you know, we have we have things. We, that we both have a lot to say it. about Lost. Yes, yeah, both good and bad. Um, but so we're posting this on. September the 22nd, which will be 12 years since the premiere date of Lost, which was September 22nd, 2004, uh, when the pilot aired. So we're going to be diving into a lot of other things Lost. We're just going to talk about some stuff. We've got a couple topics that we'll go into. And uh, with that, let's get underway. So I think the best way to start about it is to plug the show. Is to plug the show. So why don't you go ahead and do that, Zach? <laughs> if you have ever listened to an episode of Radiovania before, you know what we're about. And if you're listening to The Lost Cast, we thank you for joining us. We promise we're not going to get too in the weeds about Radiovania or our products. But if you really enjoy the show, what you can go do is you can go to Radiovania.com and listen to our many other nerdy shows. We talk about movies. We talk about video games. We talk about pop culture, television, basically anything under the sun that's, uh, you know, news or talk worthy and uh you know as many problems as i have with lost as a television show there are many pros to be had as well um and i do think that lost is a worthy topic to be discussing especially on 12 years it's a long time it's been it's hard to believe that it's been around that long i know well when you said 12 years i was a little what were you doing 12 years ago think about that well do we want to start with that? Do we want to start about the first time you saw it? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Okay. Well, because if that's where we want to begin, then man, do I have a story for you. All right. Well, then why don't you go ahead and tell me your story because mine is extremely underwhelming. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kick it off with the big one. Yeah. Uh, the first time I heard about Lost, I was in uh, the seventh grade bathroom. Oh, yeah. You're... Uh... And <laughs> oh, yeah, what was that going, sentence going? Going to the bathroom? I, exactly. And I was drying my hands, and there was this this kid walked in. I don't even I don't remember who this person was. We probably graduated with them, but I remember they were talking about some TV show about a plane crash, and so I was like, interest. I was like taken aback. I was a little. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what they were talking about specifically. Uh, and then finally, they got around to saying like, oh, I can't wait till next week's episode or whatever. And I was, and I was a little, you know, I felt 
stupid that I was so behind on whatever this was. And uh, it turned out that it was lost, came home, and I told my mom and my dad, who were at that time very strict on what I was not allowed to watch and allowed to watch. And this, I think I misspoke earlier. This couldn't have been seventh grade. What year were we in when, when it's 2004? Fourth grade. We were in fourth grade. Yeah. Okay. So seventh grade would have put you at like season three, season four time frame during the okay. show's run. Okay. So, so it's I, possible. It's, yeah. po- it's totally possible. But yeah. uh, I, I told them there's a show. It's about this and this. And, uh, you know, I'd like to watch it or whatever. And so I remember Lost being one of the first shows that I ever sat down by myself with no one around because no one in my family had interest in this besides me. And uh, I was hooked. Nice. Now, did you jump in during the middle of the run of the show, or were you able to go th- back and rewatch from the beginning? I feel like I don't I, know if Netflix was around. No, then, not so. at all. Netflix is not around. I yeah, feel I like think what they were I did, still mailing away DVDs at that point with Netflix. I feel like what I did was that I caught a season, I caught an episode or two out of sync, and then I went back, caught up, and then watched it as the run was going. The first okay. season I remember watching all the way through live on TV was season three. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, uh, that, that's pretty good. So. Yeah. Nice. Well, I will, with me, my story with my introduction to Lost is Shelby, my sister, and I were hanging out, and it was about a month before I was about to go off to college for my freshman year of college. This was about four years ago, and we were flipping through Netflix, and she was like, she's like, you and I should start watching a show together, and that way when you go off to school, we can keep watching it on our own, and we can talk about it and stuff like that. And I was like, that sounds like a good idea. So we were flipping through it, and we that one just caught our eye. It just seemed intriguing. How would you heard about it before? Not really. No. Really, I mean, you to, hadn't to heard some extent, I heard people talking about it every now and then, um, and that maybe they would mention it on like The Office or something like that. But fascinating. I was never really. I didn't really hear about it. I never really had a whole lot of exposure to TV. TV shows were never really a big thing of mine. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we started watching that. And we watched all of season one right before I went off to school. And then when I was at school, I watched the rest of it and she watched the rest of it. And then when I came home for Christmas break, we watched the last season together, right leading up to Christmas. So we spent the entire fall semester kind of watching Lost together, even though we weren't always hanging out watching it together. So okay. that was mine. So my exposure to it was when after the entire show was already done. Late bloomer. So, yeah, so I could just binge all the That's way That's actually it. probably a good way to be... I don't know. There's two ways that I think are. Never mind. That was a stupid sentence. If you you watch, it, I remember that where I was going with that point was that when I was watching it while it was on TV, I had the water cooler talk with my friends, which I think was one of the things that really helped Lost. But with you, you had your sister, and so you were watching it at the same time. So obviously, you guys got to talk about the crazy thing that happened every week or whatever. So yeah. So I think you we both hit pretty good periods Definitely. of where that yeah. show was. So I just, I, that show is just always, ever since I watched it, you know, four years ago, it's just, I loved it so much. I've seen it four times all the way through. Um, I usually try and watch it once a year. I just finished it over the summer again this past summer uh, in like June or something Have like you that. ever figured out how many hours of content that is? No, I'm think, I think we're looking at like 160 episodes times 43 minutes. He's still not watched Mr. Robot, everyone. Let that sink in for a second. <laughs> There you go. All right, now I'm going to get a lot of hate no, it's, tweets, it's, but it's fine. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, but yeah. It's so a crazy amount of content. It is. It is. And I just, I keep finding myself wanting to go back to catch things that are different. And that's the thing is it's a pretty dense show. Oh yeah. You know, super there's, dense. There's always a lot of little details that you can go back and pick up on, or you might watch through the first time and there'll be a character interaction that a character has in a flashback and you won't remember that character. And then when you watch the last season, 
they'll talk about him then or something like that. Or, you know, it'll be like Sawyer ran into Jack's dad this week and you might not have caught that at the first time. But then when you rewatch it, you're just like, oh, my gosh. And so I think that's rewatching it definitely helps a lot with, you know, liking the show a little bit more. You kind of become more invested in it the more you find out about it. Yeah. So. And uh, I definitely think that it's a little bit of a tricky show for me personally to binge watch just because of the... The density of it. Not just the density, but the uh, mostly somber nature of the show. I feel like there are the happier moments, especially in the earlier seasons, but as soon as it starts getting into the weeds of... And by the way, preface right now, we're going to be going into full spoiler territory for everything from season one to the end. So if you've never listened to a show before, we'll... You know, we, usually we stay clear of spoilers, but with something like this, we've decided that it's just going to be hard for us to dance around stuff with the fact that we want to get into depth so detailed with the show. So if you are looking forward to watching Lost, put this away, go watch it, and come back after 190 <laughs> hours of content or whatever it is and come listen. It's got to be but, more than that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, I just think personally it's a bit difficult of a show to binge watch just because it's usually somber and there's a lot to think about. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's like, Connor likes it, but he couldn't watch an entire season because he said it stressed him out. It is stressful, too. Yeah. That's, an, that's another thing, especially the first couple seasons. Oh, absolutely, with the others and all that stuff. Start, it just, as soon it as it starts really, getting into cartoon land, then it gets really, <laughs> it's really thriller esque. And then you get to the time trap when you're just like, oh, okay, it's, then it's back to the future all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. All right, so where do we want to start off with? Uh, so this? I figured we'd start out with doing a little recaps and run-throughs of each season, season okay. by season, kind of discuss, you know, the plot, what went on, kind of discuss the, the the critical reception of each season because they are vastly different as the seasons go on. Um, so we'll start out with the very beginning with season one. So the pilot aired, like I said, on September twenty second, two thousand and four, directed by J J Abrams. It's technically a two parter. Um, but I think when it aired, it was like a two hour special. So I've got here from the Wikipedia page. Lost was created by Jeffrey Lieber, JJ Abrams and Damon Lindelof, who share story writing credits for the pilot episode, which Abrams directed throughout the show's run. Lindelof and Carlton Cuse served as showrunners and head writers working together with a large number of other executive producers and writers due to its large ensemble cast and the cost of filming primarily on location in Oahu, Hawaii. The series is one of the most expensive on television with the pilot alone costing over $14 million. The fictional universe and mythology of Lost are expanded upon by a number of related media, most importantly a short mini-episodes called Missing Pieces and a 12-minute epilogue titled The New Man in Charge. You want to run through season one, you said? Yeah, let's run through season one. Okay. So like you said earlier, we are diving into spoilers. Yeah. So even spoiling how the show opens up. Uh, so very important. The show opens up. Jack wakes up. Jack is just show. Show opens up with this man. His eye opens. This is Jack. He's kind of the main character, if you will. Even though it is an ensemble. I don't think we need to go that deep into the recap. Well, I just wanted. To, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about that because that is how it's a yeah, full exactly. circle when you yeah, by the sure. time you get to the end of the show. So it op- it opens with him waking up in the forest, and then that leads to the whole plane crash scene. Basically, this. Uh, there's a group of people, they were on a flight from Sydney to Los Angeles, and then they crashed in the South Pacific on an island. There's like 40-something survivors or something like that. But it's a very it's a very action-packed opening to a show. It opens up with this huge disaster scenario where you have this guy, Jack, who's the doctor, and he's going around, he's helping people as much as he can, but it's a very overwhelming 
and, you know, violent and grotesque type scene. Um, and so basically the first season delves into getting backstory from all the characters via way of flashbacks. And this is kind of how the first three seasons of the show is built is each week, like a lot of the characters will be in it, but there will be one central flashback for one character who's kind of the center of the plot for that episode. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how you learn the backstory of everybody because at the beginning of the show, they're all just thrown together and you're thrown in with them, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, to talk about the pilot of season one, I think that the best episode of season one by far is the pilot. Uh, it ramps up towards the end once you start getting into the more mysterious aspects of it. But uh, man, that two-parter pilot is just such a, it's such a great way to open the series. Uh, they And rightfully so, they spent $14 million on it. I mean, you've got a lot of assets, a lot of resources, a lot of time being put into this. And uh, a lot of people always ask like, Another show that I really like that spun off from Lost kind of was Flash Forward, and a lot of people said, oh, "Why didn't that show get a second season? Why are they stop?" Oh, we got brownies cooking in the oven. We're gonna oh, take a short break. Hold on, kids, and we're back. What was I saying? <laughs> I was saying something about uh, the, you were talking about Flash Forward. The show. Yeah, Flash Forward. Well, and the whole thing, the reason why I was going down that road was just to say that, of course, Lost was successful afterwards. One of the most integral parts of any television show, at least in our day and age, is does the first episode catch the interest? If the first episode sucks, usually people don't go past the first episode. So. Yeah, and especially when you're watching such a large show, and if it's on Netflix, and you know you check it out, and if that first episode doesn't hook, I you, bounce right away. Then you just leave. Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense that on a cable network, te- on you know television, on a uh, Fox, or it aired originally ABC. on CB- ABC, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, throughout the entire run of the okay. show, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so obviously with the amount of money that was thrown there, uh, no doubt that they were going to be pretty successful after that first episode. They dumped a lot into that. Uh, the question I have for you is, did you know of J.J. Abrams before you started watching Lost? Yeah, from uh, the Star Trek reboot. Okay, so and you saw Super Star Trek 8, before then. And then uh, Alias with Jennifer Garner. Mm. I think he had ties to that as well. So, yeah. Okay. Were a, you a I, fan of his at all? I or? mean, I liked his work. I wasn't just like, and then I, he did this, and then he did Force Awakens. Yeah, so now like, we know. JJ's my boy. So As Star Wars, Star Wars man. Oh my gosh, so good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, season yeah. one. So you're finding out the backstory of these characters. They they go through about in season one. I would say there's maybe like 15 to 16 main characters that all have exposure to flashbacks or something like that. Maybe a little less than that. I would uh, say more. You think? I mean, think about all the main characters. We got Boone. Even Boone is, like, getting flashbacks yeah. in, the, in season one. Boone. <laughs> He's counting on his fingers here. It's like 25 or 30. It's not 30. There's no way. There's Isn't it 44 survivors? Because they each, they each get about season? two to three episodes in that season. Mm. So, at least two. So, like, if you're thinking about a 24-episode season, or episode season, it's like 12 to 15 people, maybe. Some people don't always get two because their backstories aren't interesting enough, like Boone. Like Kate. Well, Kate has a lot, so <laughs> her backstory is just shitty. They tried to make her backstory better than it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a good exhibition season. I think the best part about season one, though, is the mystery of the island and the characters. Because as the season starts to go on, there you know characters start to form relationships with each other, both you know, as friends and romantically and stuff like that. And then they start finding out more about each other's past and that can lead to trust issues, 
For example, Dom- Dominic Monningham, one of my favorite characters in the show, Charlie Pace, is a huge uh, drug addict, and he's addicted to heroin in the show. Mm. And in the first season, he spends a lot of time you know, going through withdrawals because he's getting off of his drugs and stuff like that, but he starts to develop a romantic relationship with this girl who knows absolutely nothing about his backstory, and that's something that they dive into more in, like, season two and three. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's interesting... And with that, and I think that's the, the part that gripped me the most with the show was the interactions and the development of the characters, which I think they did really well. Because even as the show goes on and the plots start to get a little more blurred and weird, I still find myself really attached to those characters. So I think that they do a really good job throughout the entire run of the show with doing that. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, the characters are the reason why I kept watching the show. If I was just going to focus on the plot, obviously, I'd be out by season three. Yeah. Season three, season four. Uh, season four, I actually had less of a problem with than most people. I thought I like that season four. when they start getting into the time travel stuff, that was during th- the writer's strike. Yeah. was season four. Uh, and we'll get to that when we get yeah. to season four, but, um, uh, yeah, the, the, you're right. The character interactions are what make the show special. And it's the moments between characters I remember and not necessarily plot elements. And, spe- and so that's like, that's also why it's hard for me to go back and watch a random episode because I could honestly just care less. For me, it's about, if I was going to start watching Lost again, I would probably want to start from the beginning and watch it all the way through. But it's just so much, like it's so daunting to think about watching that show all the way through again. So um, it's just those moments I remember. That's why I'll go back and watch uh, one of the best episodes, I think. And I think this is from season one, so don't correct me if I'm wrong, but Greatest Hits. That is from season three. Season three? Oh, yeah, really? That's in my that's oh in, wow. That's in my list of favorite. Okay. You, well, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's uh, such a good one. Oh, oh yeah, gosh, it's but so it's good. it's moments like that that are uh, totally character driven that don't necessarily have any impact on the plot that I remember more than. Yeah. Like I remember you and I we were watching just a random episode that you were on like a few months ago and it was the one where they're thrown into pits and there's the the Asian guy and they hit the baseball and. He's got Sawyer on the table. Yeah, in season six. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, I I don't care what's happening right now, nor do I... Well, that was weird. (laughs) All that was pretty weird. Do you want to hear about the critical reception to season one? Uh, Let's let's finish running through the the scenarios real quick. So basically, the best... I think season one builds up to basically the reveal that there are other people on the island. Uh, And then you're not really sure because you don't see them at all during season one. And then there's a couple of the survivors of the plane crash, Sawyer... Um, who's a great character, Michael and his son, Walt, and then Jin, who is the Korean husband of son. And they kind of come packaged together in this season and they split up every now and then. But so they, they're leaving on a raft to try and get help. And then at the end of the season, Michael's son gets taken by the others. And you finally get to meet this other group of people that they've been talking about on the show, but you weren't entirely sure if they existed or not. So there's a huge cliffhanger at the end of this first season um, which I thought I was a huge fan of because like I saw that with my sister and then I had to go to school and so we didn't want to start the second season even though I really wanted to just write watch it right away but yeah so anyway yeah so let's talk about critical reception from the Wikipedia page it says the first season received critical acclaim USA Today said it was a quote totally original fabulously enjoyable lost at sea series Lost had taken an, quote, outlandish Saturday serial setup and imbued it with real characters and honest emotions without sacrificing any of the old-fashioned fun. 
the Los Angeles Times praised the production values and said it knows the, put- the buttons it wants to push. Fear of flying, fear of abandonment, fear of the unknown, and pushes them repeatedly like a kid playing a video game. IGN noted that the first season, quote, succeeded first and foremost in character development, end quote. Lost season one was ranked number one in the best 2005 TV coverage critic top 10 list by Matthew Gilbert of the Boston Globe, Tom Gelato of People Weekly, Charlie McCollum of the San Jose Mercury News, and Robert Bianco of the USA Today. So I'm pretty sure it... I think it would be hard to find someone who's watched all of season one and didn't think it was good. Yeah, definitely. It, it's season, cool. season one is it's strong. It's it's pretty strong. I think the big thing to take away is that season one is just quality television. And like from from the get go, they establish what the series is going to be like. At least for the most part, uh, it takes some tonal shifts, a la Batman v Superman or uh, Suicide Squad. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, for those first three seasons, you you get this very sort of you have this movement. It's the show does a good job at feeling fluid, and uh, with so much content and so much time and things to cover and people and places, it's uh, it's a wonder they lasted as long as they did. You know. Yeah. So to kind of keep on, we could do it this way. I have a couple of favorite episodes that I wanted to talk about, and we could have done a segment on that. Would you rather just talk about those at the end of every season that we cover? Just kind of bring season. it up while we're while we're fresh and be like, these are some ones that stand out, or do you not have them for each season by season? I don't have them by season. Okay, so we'll just do that later then. Okay. Can you turn off your vibrate? Yeah, I'll just keep it in my lap. Okay. Sorry for the lull. You're good. Okay, so we're moving on to season two now. Like we mentioned, the end of season one has a really nice cliffhanger. Um, season two kind of develops more into the. Uh, almost like the, if you will call it a war and like the standoff between the other inhabitants of the island who are depicted almost as like savage-esque and then the survivors of the plane crash who think that the raft made it off safely by the beginning of the season. Um, The biggest part, I think, is this season kind of develops the theme, which is between uh, faith and science. So there's the whole part where Jack's character is all logic-based and science-based and he needs facts and all this stuff like that. And John Locke, who is also a really fantastic character who we'll talk about a little bit later, believes that the the survivors of the plane crash are on the island for a reason. So you can start to see the the huge rift that develops between a couple of people within the group, mainly with those two, as they start to argue um, over pushing the button is a big example. But the, the introduction in season two they introduce the whole concept of the Dharma Initiative, which comes into huge play as the season goes on. As the show goes on. Yeah, wow. or show goes on is what I meant to say. Uh, but basically, it's like a, a group of scientists who came to study this island for its, you know, almost mythical-like properties and to run experiments and stuff like that. And so they find, you know, they find several sites across the island where they have different stations set up is what they're called, the different Dharma stations. Uh, the biggest one in season two that they spent a lot of time in is in this underground hatch where they have to push a button every 108 minutes to save the world, quote unquote. Um, so there starts to, like I said, develop a huge rift between some of the characters over the whole even concept of pushing the button doesn't make any sense. Why are we doing this? It seems kind of stupid. And then throw in the mix the issue with the others starting to appear and starting to steal some of their people and kidnap some of their people and starting to tell them, like, you're not really supposed to be on our island. This is our island. 
you know, you should stay on your side because you're not even supposed to be here. Um, ends with a really cool cliffhanger where basically the three leaders, if you will, almost of the survivors, Jack, Kate, and Sawyer, get taken by the others. Uh, another big cliffhanger at the end of the season. But yeah, I think that covers most everything. Season two is also pretty strong. They start to dive into more stranger things, which is also a great show. Um, but I would say season two is also really great, especially the opening episode. So. In terms of reception, the second season received favorable reviews, but it was noted that the season, quote, stumbled with some storylines going nowhere and some characters underutilized, end quote. IGN also noted the addition of Desmond Hume as a standout new character. The San Francisco Chronicle called season two an extended, mostly unsatisfying foray into deeper mythology with very little payoff. After winning Best Drama Series for season one, Lost was snubbed by the Emmy Awards in season two. Nearing the end of the second season, USA Today listed the most popular fan theories doing season two. The island is a psychological experiment, that the hatch had electromagnetic properties, string theory of time, and that everyone on the island had developed a, quote, collective consciousness that allowed them to appear in each other's past. One fan interview by USA Today said that, quote, real suspense comes from answers, not questions. Suspense comes from not from wondering what's going on, but from wondering what happens next. If you withhold answers, it becomes impossible to satisfy, end quote. So uh, mostly favorable reviews. Of course, they quote most of these publications saying a few of the negatives. And in, in, uh, uh, I don't necessarily remember a whole lot of details about uh, they're talking about the characters underutilized and storylines that are kind of disappearing and going nowhere. Did you get a sense of that when you were watching season two? So the biggest thing with the characters going nowhere is... Season two introduces what happens to the tail section of the plane. And there's that whole side story with Michelle Rodriguez's character with all the survivors at the tail section of the plane, eventually meeting up with the survivors that we all know from season one. Um, and then, like we said, spoilers earlier, like all of them die except for one. And then Mr. I guess two, Mr. Echo and uh, oh, Mr. Echo. Yeah, and Rose's oh husband. Uh, so like, about a great it's character. just kind of weird that they spend a lot of time with that. And then they kind of. They just exonate them. So it, it seems it might seem like they waste a lot of time, but I thought it was pretty essential, and I thought it was an interesting part to the story. In terms of utter, underutilized, I mean, they started tying off loose ends, like Boone dies in the first season, Shannon dies in this season, and then so all the characters that aren't really, don't really have any more room to be developed, either got killed off or they were extremely underwritten, like Michael and his son Walt, who, Whoa! and Walt got too old to be in the show, so they kind of just started <laughs> Started to write them out, if you yeah. know, and stuff. So, uh, well, I remember season two being one of my favorites, definitely. Um, and we'll talk about best seasons when we get to that part yeah. of the. That's a that's one of your topics, right? Yes. And uh, I, I don't know, season two. You know, I do, I do understand why a lot of people have problems with keep bringing in questions without answering any of them. I definitely get that. I I hate. That's why, like, Game of Thrones irritates me sometimes is because they just introduce all these new characters and plot lines and they don't fix the things that are already going on. And so um, Lost was... When I was watching Lost on TV, this was a time way before Game of Thrones and the serial and when people could binge-watch stuff. And so going from week to week, like, waiting in between and, like not being able to find out what happened next until next week and then having these huge gaps during the summer or whenever the show wasn't aired, like, God, miserable, miserable. And so, like, 
that's another big pro as to why I think you had a good experience with binge watching oh, it yeah, on Netflix. I'd be like, oh my gosh, is he gonna die? Oh, nice. Let's find out. Let's He's watch good. the next yeah. episode. I don't have anything to do. So click, yeah, yeah. Screw homework, man. So I can understand why negativity, and I do think this pops up again in more critical receptions going forward on the seasons. Is oh, that yep. I think a lot of the negativity is the fact that Lost was unfortunately not in a time where you could do like a Netflix series where you could like how great would Lost be as four seasons on Netflix with no no gaps in between the episodes. Just They're just up. The episodes. there you go. Yeah. There you go. I think that would have been so great. I think that's how every TV show should manufacture. Like yeah. stop making us wait. Stop Netflix holding things formula, out. Man. Netflix knows what they're doing, man. Stranger things. Yep. So what else do you got about season two? Anything or are we moving on? Uh, let's just move on because we'll dive into specifics when we talk about episodes and characters and whatnot. And okay. We'll get into more moments later, but let's just do overviews from here. And then things get a little bit easier now because these seasons start to get a little more whack. Uh, season Trace. Season Trace uh, starts out exactly where season two left off. Half of our heroes are kidnapped by the others and then the others are trying to, or not the others, but the rest of the plane, sur- plane crash survivors are trying to figure out how to cope with it. Uh, I do like season three a lot. However... There are a couple episodes in this season that are just atrociously bad. Uh, for example, the one where you spend an entire episode learning about how Jack got his tattoos in Thailand. <laughs> and then there's that other episode with Nikki and Paolo where they were like pretending to be on a TV show to get diamonds. And it's about these two side characters that they just introduce out of the blue. They have one episode and then they get off at the end of the episode. It just kind of felt like a waste of time. So there are a couple bad episodes, but there are also some really strong ones. Mainly the first couple episodes, Jack Sawyer and Kate spend with the others on their side of the island and on the separate Hydra Island, uh, which is another Dharma station. And it's a lot of character development between that and that huge love triangle that they have going on gets a lot more um, interesting over there. And this is also the first season where a character introduced in season two, which is Michael Emerson's character, Benjamin Linus. Benjamin Linus becomes a very forefront main character as the villain kind of. Yeah. in this season and he gets a lot of great shining moments in this season which are yeah, really season three is the year of the Ben. season three is a great season between interactions between john locke and mike or not michael um between john locke and benjamin linus which are just phenomenal scenes terry o'quinn is a great actor michael emerson's a great actor and they both play off of each other really well yeah um so yeah and then season three actually has my favorite season finale in it that's the one where Charlie has to dive into that underwater station and they have not Penny's boat. Yeah. 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 The not Penny's boat thing. And this is also the season where Desmond becomes a main character of the show. Uh, Cause in season two, he was in the opener and the finale and that's it. But in season three, he starts to live with them and Desmond's my favorite character. Um, And we'll dive into that a little bit later. So he has some really good episodes in the season. For reception on season three, the first block of episodes of the third season was criticized for raising too many mysteries and not providing enough answers. Again, (laughs) complaints were also made about the limited screen time for many of the main characters in the first block. Locke, played by Terry O'Quinn, who had tied for the highest second season episode count, appeared in only 13 of the 22 episodes in the third season. Only two more than guest star MC Ganey, who played Tom. That's my cousin. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. Very distant cousin. (laughs) Reaction to two new characters, Nikki and Paolo, was genuinely negative, and Lindelof even acknowledged that the couple was universally despised by fans. <laughs> the decision to split the season and the American time slot switch after the hiatus were also criticized. Cuse acknowledged that no one was happy with the six-episode run. The second block of episodes was critically acclaimed, however, with the crew dealing with problems from the first block. 
More answers were written into the show, and Nickley and Paolo were killed off. It was also announced that the series would end three seasons after would end se- three seasons after the third season, which Q's help would tell the audience that the writers knew where the story was going. Or did they? <laughs> yeah, I uh, don't think they did. Uh, I have vague memories of hearing about the fact that they announced that they were going to do three seasons. And uh, I don't remember having any specifically strong reaction to that, but I'm sure there were people that were like, where could you possibly go? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And three seasons is a lot of stuff. I mean, Well, especially because the first three seasons are 20 plus episodes each. And then the last three are like 14 to 17. Yeah. Each. So, um, but yeah. So diving into season four, this is during the writer's strike. So the amount of episodes get caught or get cut in a bit of a limbo. That's about 14 episodes, I believe, 12 to 14 episodes. Uh, this introduces a new way of storytelling, which is when they start to do the flash forwards as opposed to the flashbacks. They figured they ran out of backstory for each of the characters, so they start to show um, what happens to some of the characters when they get off the island. And you, So you spend the entire season kind of trying to figure out what's going on, if it's like a dream or something like that. And then once you realize that they reveal that some of the people get off the island, the rest of the scenes that take place on the present on the island are building up that season to the finale where you find out how they get off the island. So it's pretty interesting. It's basically the two storylines, if you just separate them and connect them, it's one fluid thing. Um, So the use of the Flash Wars, I didn't have a problem with. I actually liked it. That is an interesting storytelling method. It was huge, like big reveals at the end of every episode. You're like why is Jack having a beer and he's doing drugs and why is Kate raising a baby and stuff like that? And so you have all that. My baby. Yeah. This is also when they start to introduce more characters though. So they drop off Miles and Daniel Faraday and Lapidus. Shout out to Faraday though. Lapidus is a pretty cool guy. (laughs) Yeah, Lapidus is cool. Uh, So they introduce more characters that you get to deal with in, in a sense. Um, and this is a between a battle almost between the people on the freighter and the people living on the island, which now the others and the plane crash survivors are kind of working together. Yeah. So. Uh, one of the big concepts of the season that you kind of glossed over was the Oceanic Six. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is the, are the people that get off the island, but uh, the fact that they limit it to those people, and I think that that's just a really cool moment. I remember the press conference moment being yeah, really cool. Yeah, the press conference is really good. Uh, Jack, Kate, Hurley, Saeed, Sun, and Aaron are the six people that get off the manage island. to get off the island. Uh like you said, I thought season four was actually really good. Yeah, and they because like when they're doing the flash forwards, they spend a lot of time like where the characters keep talking, they keep referencing the island, but they don't want to talk about it because they're trying to cover up the secret that there are still survivors left because they're trying to protect the location of the island. Go back to what you were going to say. Sorry. No, I was just saying that I think that the reason why shows shows about survival start to get boring to me. Um, the Walking Dead being one of them. Like, I just, for the life of me, can't get into The Walking Dead just because it's so static. Nothing, I just feel like it's just the same thing over and over. And I know that the character interactions are probably what makes people that watch it all the way through feel that no, worthwhile. It's like watching zombies getting blasted in the head. Well, it's, I think it's just because the characters in that show have these interactions, and once you start living your life with these characters, you start developing more of an attachment to the universe. And 
the universe of Lost is fascinating enough, uh, albeit a little mysterious or whatever, and you never really exactly know what's going on. But like you said, the interactions between the characters are paradigm to how the show operates. And I felt like moving the show forward in a way that like, hey, guess what? They get off. Some people get off. Like, what happens when they get off? I think that was an interesting way to say that even though the conflict, the conflict you thought was these people were trying to get off the island, and turns out that wasn't exactly the conflict, and so uh, that was I think was an interesting and smart way to kind of progress a story about survival. Yeah. Now, could that season have been better if it was fleshed out over oh, yeah. more episodes? Well, I don't uh, think more episodes fixes anything. Maybe better writing. Who knows? Uh, but I I still think in terms of strong seasons, I still find the first four very strong as a good story. I but, do think that season four is when it starts to go to crazy town. Yes. This is when it starts But season separating. four has a lot of really redeeming moments and sure. episodes in it. So, Reception to the fourth season. The fourth season opened to critical acclaim not seen since the first season. Metacritic gave season four a weighted average of 87 based on the impressions of a select 12 critical reviews, earning the second highest meta score in the 2007 to 2008 television season after the fifth and last season of HBO's The Wire. For the first time since season one, Lost received an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Drama Series. Tim Goodman of the San Francisco Chronicle said that season four episodes were, quote, roller coasters of fast action and revelation, and that the series was back on track. In a survey conducted by TV Week of professional critics, Lost was voted the best show on television in the first half of 2008 by a wide margin, apparently cracking the top five on nearly every critic's submission and receiving nothing but praise. The New York Times said the show reveled in critiques of capitalism using the fictional Metellus bioscience and the malevolent British industrialist character of Charles Woodmore as examples. The critic also said that the show in the dark business of exploring just how futile the modern search for peace, knowledge, recovery, or profit really is. The critic did go on to say that the series was not as, quote, philosophically, philosophically refined as The Sopranos of the Wire, but has maximized the potential of narrative uncertainty and made it beguiling constant. So those are a lot of words. It's a lot of fancy words right there. Yeah, uh, that's a New York Times TV review for you. Uh, nice. Whew. But yeah, season four. Um, critics seem to like it. Uh, you also mentioned that this was the time of the writer's strike, which was a fascinating time for me. Uh, it was one of the most... Because I'd always been into television, but I I don't remember being super up on television news or what was going on in the culture of TV. I just remember liking TV. Yeah. <laughs> and so when this was going down, I remember being I remember thinking it was very fascinating that this was a uh, you know affecting multiple shows and it was affecting sports broadcasts even to a lesser degree. And, oh, they were awful. Yeah, and so um, <laughs> it was just a fascinating time and. Uh, I uh, I don't know if there it exists, but I'm sh- I'm sure someone is working on it somewhere. If not, uh, f- someone feel free to steal this idea or don't. I I can, I, I need some money, uh, but someone should make a really good documentary about the writer strike. I feel like that would be a good HBO miniseries or something. I would definitely watch that. Deck. That's a great idea. Thanks. You should make that. So I got a piece of trivia for you before we move on to season five. All right. Yeah. I'll throw sprinkle it this. I'll sprinkle this stuff in. Throughout the d- dust these trivia's in here. Josh Holloway was trying to... Uh, let's not do this one. I'll, I'll, I'll do that one. I'll do that. <laughs> Never mind. I'll do that one when, I, when we get to Josh Holloway. <laughs> On the show, there are places and or objects that align closely to the seven wonders of the ancient world. Do you know this? 
He's shaking his head no. The original wonders and their counterparts on Lost, 2004, are, one, the Great Pyramid of Giza is the inner building inside the other's temple as a pyramid. Two, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon is the orchid station houses as a hanging garden. Three, Colossus of Rhodes, like the Rhodes Colossus, the large statue of Toweret. The Tarot. Yeah, that once stood on the island was also a giant oceanside monument. Four, the Temple of Artemis, the other's temple. Five, the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus, the resting place of Adam and Eve. Six, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, the Statue of Tarot. Seven, a Lighthouse of Alexandria, Jacob's Lighthouse. Interesting. Hmm. That's cool. Way to go, guys. You did it. Yeah. Fun <laughs> Great job. Fact. Great job. Fun little fact for you. Season five. Season five. Season five is... Rap to me, brother. It is... Um, it is a show. It's the show, man. It's, it's in the show. It's a season. So season five has to deal with time travel is the main theme of this season. Uh, you have half of the survivors of the plane crash who are now intertwined with some of the survivors of the others, such as Benjamin Linus and whatnot. And the people from the freighter from the last season that was introduced. So you have half of them that are still back in the real world, the Oceanic Six, and they are told that they need to go back to the island, but that the rest of their friends are stuck in the 70s living with the Dharma Initiative. And that group has like Juliet and Sawyer and Miles and Hurley. Or not Hurley, uh, but they get there later. Anyway, so they spend a lot of time building up to that about half of the season. And then once they're all reunited in the 70s, they have to format a plot to try and um, deal with this electromagnetic incident, which creates the hatch from season two. Uh, And they have to try and... The goal is that they're going to set off a nuke inside of it in order to restore everything so that they never come to the island and it's just going to change the entire world. I don't quite know how it works. Let's blow it up. That'll fix it, right? But if you drop a nuke down in that (laughs) hole, apparently it's supposed to fix the timeline. Yeah. Uh, Turns out by the end of the season, it doesn't. Um, But it's a lot of of nonsense going on during this season, uh, mostly with just the time travel and keeping up with the different timelines. But there's a lot of cool little details that are involved with that. We get to see a couple uh, flashbacks of John's childhood, which were not previously introduced, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but also in this season, they'd kill off Locke, man. That was what I was underlining right now, is that this is literally the worst thing about Lost. Yeah. This is the, this is the worst plot line in Lost. I, I was not a TV critic by any stretch of the imagination when I, was, when I was watching this live. But let me tell you what, I was so visibly mad <laughs> every time something happened with this faux Locke. It was, it's infuriating. Uh... It's just infuriating. Yeah. So basically... Totally infuriating. Locke dies while trying to convince the Oceanic Six to come back to the island. He fails. Ben kills him. And then Ben uses his death as a way to convince people and kind of guilting them into going back to the island. And then on the island, once they get back, Locke is alive, but it's not really Locke. It's, guess what, kids? It's the smoke monster. I bet you didn't know that the monster that was terrorizing them the entire show... Was a dude. Was a dude who can transform (laughs) into anybody that he wants. Uh, So he pretends to be John for the rest of the season, and you're not really sure that it's him. You just notice that he's a little more, you know, abrasive and stuff like that. And then by the end of the season, you find out that it's the smoke monster, and they wind up killing Jacob. And we haven't even dived into Jacob yet. Because honestly, Jacob is nuts, guys. Apparently, he's Jesus of the island. <laughs> and 
he draws people there to come and help him protect the island. <sighs> so the, this is where it starts to dive into not a mystery show, not a sci-fi show, but a philosophical show between a battle between good and evil. And it's two brothers, one who wears black, who has no name, who is a smoke monster, and the other who is a blonde Jesus with a bad <laughs> beard. And this is another one of my big problems with Lost. And since we're discussing it now, let's just discuss it. Um, my my biggest problem with Lost is the same problem I have with Narnia. Is that, sure, it's fine, and it's got its universe, and the character interactions are fine, and whatever is whatever, and Aslan is a cool character, or P- Jacob is a cool character in theory, I guess, but... He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I hate, I hate one of my my biggest pet peeves in fiction is when religious allegories are strong like this because anybody that w- went through the show and couldn't pick up that this was a totally like a uh, uh, an allegory of Christianity or like some sort of parallel between that it's it's just so it's just so blatant and that that's lazy it's just lazy and and boring it's uh. How to deal with your sins on a tropical island <laughs> with guns is basically what it turns out to be by the end of the show almost. Um, and I just wish that it was deeper than like yeah. heaven or hell. There's the man in black. There's the white guy. He's he's there. They're, it's good. It's evil. They're playing chess. They're drinking wine. It's like, why why did it have to be this? And that's, that's my problem is that you get to the end of Lost, we look back on it, and yeah, I think about the character interactions. I'm looking at your poster. I'm thinking about all these great characters, but I just remember like, oh, it's a show about God, and it's a show <laughs> about like the afterlife and karma, and it's just Fate. so not what I like in fiction. I don't like... I don't like when fiction delves it's, into spirituality. It's too easy. Uh, it's too easy of an out, definitely. It's just too easy and not believable to me. Yeah. Like, especially I have my own problems a, with Christianity. Especially for a show that was, I mean, especially for a show that was, for the most part, in the first couple seasons, really grounded. Yeah. You know, there might be a couple weird phenomena here and then, but they But had, they were special because they didn't happen that often. <laughs> yes, and they were supposed to be almost magical yeah. or, like, scientific phenomena. Yes. And then they develop into it just Dharma. being... Yeah, and then they develop into being this Jacob guy's protecting a light in the <sighs> central of the island, and the light controls uh, all the weird things that me. are going on. And we haven't even gotten like the whole wheel thing. Remember, like he has got to push the wheel and turn the thing, and God, it's so. Well, that was at the end of season four. Yeah, you'd push the wheel to move the island, <laughs> and then if you push the wheel too far, then you get sucked into the middle of the Gobi Desert, uh, and you wind up there. And Charles Woodmore's guys pick you up, apparently. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's season five, and then season six. Well, did we talk about oh, the yeah, critical, critical reception critical to season reception. five? Go ahead. The fifth season once again received mostly positive critical reception. Season five was given a weighted average of seventy-eight out of one hundred by Metacritic. Variety said that the ABC series remains one of primetime's most uncompromising efforts, and this year's latest wrinkle on flashbacks, flash forwards, and island disappearing flashes of light <laughs> does nothing to alter that perception. Alan Sippenwell of the Newark Star-Ledger said that season five may finally be, quote, a day of reckoning between those viewers who embrace the show's science fiction trappings and those who prefer not to think about them, end quote. Sippenwell also related that I loved every minute, but I'm also a geek who read Ray Bradbury and Isaac Asimov growing up, end quote. Heather, that's the last name. I'm not even going to read that. Hervesky? Hel- 
Heather Haverileski of Salon.com criticized the use of time travel, saying that when a narrator brings magic of time travel or an act of God into the picture, then it uses it without restraint, then the story loses its anchor to real life. End quote. The critic also asks, why does it matter what Locke and Richard Alpert and Daniel Faraday or anyone else does when they all seem as clueless and unfettered from reality as we are the viewers? <laughs> How can these characters have any concrete agenda or strategic approach or philosophical perspective on anything when the rug is pulled out from underneath them by an act of God every few seconds? End quote. Here we go. The New York Times also commented that Quote, what has been most dispiriting about the current season is the show's willingness to abandon many of the larger and more compelling themes that grounded the elaborate plot. The struggles between faith and reason, the indictments of extreme capitalism, the futility of recovery. All that remains is the reductively limited battle between fate and free will largely playing out now in Jack Shepard's belief that returning to the island is his destiny. End quote. The AV Club said of the fifth season finale, quote, me? I found the ending frustrating, but in a good way. The finale was entertaining as all get out to me, and despite the occasionally groaner moment, I think this may be Lost's most purposeful, surprising finale. So remind me how season five ends. Uh, so they're, they're trying. Jack is trying to drop that the nuclear bomb core into the drill hole where they're creating the Dharma station that will eventually become the one where they push the button in season two. Uh, there's a huge electromagnetic event, and all this metal starts getting sucked in. Juliet gets sucked in and she goes down to the bottom and she gets sucked down there and then Juliet! the bomb doesn't go off when they drop it so then she winds up hitting it and setting it off and that's how the season ends is her setting off the bomb herself but and remind me the ending of season five is a white backdrop and yes. not black right okay yep yeah uh cool moment it is cool it's yeah. definitely cool it's different so yeah. that's really nice um so then when season six, oh, six open, it's so sick, dude. When season six, <laughs> season six, bruh. <laughs> when, when it opens up, there is the huge flash of white light at the end of season five. Season six opens with the same way. And it's almost shot the exact same way as the flashback of Jack on the plane before it goes down in season one, which is in the pilot. Uh, and it goes out and, you know, Jack's sitting there and you're like, why are they showing us this again? And then Desmond's sitting next to him, and Desmond obviously wasn't on the plane in the beginning, and so he's talking to Jack, and then he goes, and then the plane starts to hit turbulence, and you think it's going to crash again, and then it doesn't. And then the season uh, opener for season six opens with the plane landing, they all get off, they don't talk to each other, they've spent five seasons shooting each other, kissing each other, (laughs) screwing each other, all this other stuff, and they don't know each other at all. It's like they're meeting for the first time, and then it cuts to the island, and you see the aftermath of the incident from season five, which is Juliet's in the hole. Sawyer's pissed. He wants to kill Jack because it's Jack's fault. And then, you know, Kate always in the middle of those two is trying to keep them from killing each other. And they have gotten back to their regular timeline, but at the cost of, you know, one of their friends. And also Saeed is bleeding out. Uh, so then this is when they hand the, the plot of the show over to Jacob and Jacob just starts sending them off to do whack stuff for the rest of the season. You know, they take Saeed at the temple to save him. And that's the episode that you saw is they're like, they're feeding him like pills to see if he's evil or not. He is poisoned with evil. You remember that, that dude. Huh. Uh, and then, you know, you have Hurley and Jack going to the lighthouse where they find out that Jacob's been perversely spying on them through a lighthouse from their entire lives and he has all their names written down on a dial and when you turn the lighthouse it shows each of them like where they grew up and stuff 
Uh, but basically, it builds to the finale. And this whole time, the man in black, the smoke monster who's pretending to be Locke, has wanted to kill Jacob, which he did at the end of season five. And then his goal is to get off the island to go destroy the world because he thinks men are evil and they corrupt and they destroy and they kill each other. So his goal is to get off the island because in the analogy that Jacob presents in season five is the man in black is the wine in the bottle. The glass bottle is the island and the cork is essentially the cork, which you find out is actually in the island as well. And once Jacob's gone, all he has to do is cross the water. And then as soon as he actually gets off the physical island, he's good to go. So he's spending the rest of the time trying to figure out how to leave. Yeah. Uh, so that just develops into a huge battle with Charles Woodmore's thrown in the mix for a little bit with trying to prevent the man in black from leaving. But so it's basically you have these flash sideways where there's this weird parallel dimension where they survive the plane crash and they all have different occupations like Sawyer's a detective. Jack's still a surgeon, but he's married to Juliet and he has a son. Locke's still in his wheelchair, blah, 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 blah. And you have that going on, and then you have the war with Man in Black going on, building up to the season finale where a lot of the main characters get killed on the island. Some of them escape, and then the man in, the man in the black is defeated, the smoke monster dies, Lottie freaking da, and then we get to Purgatory, which is what you find out at the end is the flash sideways, is this, this place that they all subconsciously created for each other, where they get to meet up when they all die, and then they all go to essentially heaven together. So, and thus concludes. And thus concludes my favorite television show with a uh, piss poor ending, um, <laughs> a lazy ending almost. But so that's season six, and this is the one that gets critically ransacked. Uh, critical acclaim says uh, critical reception it says season six opened to much hype and curiosity the av club asked quote i'm guessing that one of the biggest fears of lost fans is that we ride out this six and final season bumps and all is that we're going to come to an end and find a big nothing in return for all we've invested in these characters we don't just need answers we need justifications why has whatever happened happened who has called this particular meeting to order and does it really matter who showed up end quote the episodes dr linus ab eterno happily ever laughter at the candidate opened a highly positive critical reception, while the third to last episode across the sea was the episode with the most negative reception. The time spent at the Other's Temple was criticized. E! Online described the show as lightning in a bottle and picked it up, picked it as top TV drama of 2010. Overall critical reception. Lost has been described by numerous critics as being amongst the greatest television series of all time. Bill Carter, television reporter of the New York Times, defined Lost as, quote, the show with perhaps the most compelling continuing storyline in television history, end quote. Entertainment Weekly put the show in its end-of-their-decade best-of list, saying, quote, name another network drama that can so wondrously turn a question mark into an exclamation point, end quote. In 2012, Entertainment Weekly also listed the show as number 10 in the 25 best cult TV shows from the past 25 years with a hot and cold description. Quote, Lost was initially celebrated as a moving character-driven drama with a broad humanistic worldview that also presented itself as dramatic cryptography that demanded to be solved. The appeal narrowed as seasons progressed and the mythology became more complex, culminating in a still-debated finale that was deeply meaningful to some and dissatisfying poppycock to others, end quote. In 2013, it was ranked number 36 on TV Guide's list of the 60 best series of all time. So, 
So that was the season run throughs. So that took about an hour. <laughs> yeah, I might have to cut a little bit of that down in editing. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, it was good though. Yeah, it was. I yeah, think I think we good. covered a lot of good stuff. So that'll make the rest of these smaller topics go by pretty fast. So you want to do worst or best first? Uh, do it. It's your show, brother. Let's do best season first. In your opinion, what is the best? So not narr- necessarily your favorite, but what is the best? I mean, we can have a discussion here. Yeah. But I've narrowed it down to one, two, and four. Okay. Uh, I think that season one has the best opening, obviously. I think the setting and the suspense of season one makes it really special. Season two, I think, is great because of the the, the eerie aspects, bringing in the Dharma Initiative, the others, Benjamin Linus. All that stuff makes season two really, really special. Uh, season four is the weird season, but it's still... It's, like, weirdly endearing. And so I think it's between those three. If I had to make a pick, I'd probably go season two. What would you say? Okay, uh, I think it's really tough for me. It's it's one of the first four seasons for me, uh, five and six. I think we can concur that those aren't even up for debate. No bueno. Because um, like I said earlier, I really like a lot of season three, but there's just overall as a season, it's not as strong as the others because they have such weak plot lines that kind of go nowhere. Yeah. Um, two is really strong. I also like really four for the same reasons that you mentioned, but... I think I'm actually going to have to go with season one. I think season one, I also would agree, has the best opening. And it does such a really good job of just giving these backstories to these characters. And they have such really good first episodes for each of the characters. And like I like seeing where their stories go in the other seasons. But some of them get introduced in really amazing ways. And we'll talk about that when we get into episodes as well. And I also found the season finale to be really a really good tie-up to a really strong season they also had a lot of good writers on that season. I think it really showed. Um, and there's just there's so much mystery and suspense, and it doesn't dive into too many weird spiritual and like mythical elements as much. It's more of just like a mystery, if you will, and stuff like that. So it also has a lot of my favorite episodes in that season. But yeah. I would have to go with season one as the strongest in my views, followed probably by two. I think it's a solid pick. Yeah. So let's talk about that worst season then. We talk about the easiest one, which is picking your favorite. So I've narrowed it between three, five, and six. Okay. For me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll go ahead. And, I'll yeah, go ahead. I'll you, go ahead. Go. You bat, 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 bat this. As one. much of a confusing, crazy shit storm as season five is, I don't hate it. Not necessarily hate it, but I don't dislike it as much as I dislike season six. And I think because contained within itself, season five still serves as a pretty good season in terms of an overarching story building up through the entire season. Yes, it gets really weird and crazy with all the time travel and stuff, but it does have a couple really good episodes that I like in it, as well as a lot of fun moments for me. Um, there's a lot of callbacks where they, you know, when they're jumping through time, there's a lot of callbacks to the first season that they keep, you know, using as like emotional tethers for the characters who are struggling with jumping around in time they don't really know where they are they're starting to doubt you know what their purpose is and stuff like that and then you see these these really cool you know ties down to what their their values were um but yeah i'd have to go with season six is the worst just because as cool as some of the flash sideways stuff is it kind of doesn't really mean a whole lot to me because i really just want to know what happens to the actual versions of the characters that i've developed over my fandom of the show and there's just a lot of episodes in that where there's just 
a lot of nothing going on. Or if it was something, it was something really bad. Like finding out if Saeed has badness in him, like you can that doesn't make any sense. And you're feeding him a poison pill because he's bad or something like that. And then the smoke monster is just up to all these shenanigans and no one seems to care and he's just deceiving everybody. And the, the only reason they give to that is as soon as he opens his mouth, you're on his side. Like how you don't even describe how he has these powers of persuasion. He just opens his mouth and then you're instantly a server of darkness and stuff like that. So it's just weird. It's just, it gets really, really weird. And we talked about this earlier. It just dives into too many spiritual elements, which Way do too not, they don't give satisfactory conclusions to some of the plot devices that they were building towards in the other seasons. So, uh, how many episodes are in season six? You know, off the top of your head, 17, how many episodes are in season five? 17. So they're both equal on the length of bad. Uh, and then uh, season three is like 23, yeah. 24. Season three has some redeeming episodes, a so I'd call it... I'd, season three is out. Season five... Uh, I want to say season... I Season six has a... The ending is bad. And so I want to say season six is the worst just because they took what was five seasons of lukewarm television and ended it on a bad note. Yeah. Um... Season five is just kind of unnecessary, in my opinion. So I mean, it is. It's a complete unnecessary side story. So to me, it's deciding between unnecessary story and bad story, and and bad bad to- badly told story. Yeah. So honestly, it's like flip a coin. If <laughs> <laughs> one, they're both pretty bad. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. If I, gun to my head, I'd probably say six. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so now that we've talked about the, the seasons and, you know, as a whole and stuff like that, I'll, let's start to dive into a little more of specifics and stuff like that and things that we actually really enjoy. So hopefully here on out, it's pretty positive stuff. Uh, so we'll let's see. Talk, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We got worst episodes here. On the, on yeah, the that's true. But anyway, let's talk about characters because to talk about episodes, I think we have to first preface it with the characters that we like because a lot of the ones that we like are the episodes that we like. Yeah. Since basically... Almost every episode has one character tied to it as a central character for that episode. So, Zach, I'm sure you got a lot of favorite characters. I know I have a lot of my favorite characters. Let's go through some of the big ones, and if they are your favorite char- one of your favorite characters, we can kind of talk more about that. Um, but let's go ahead and get one of the heavy hitters out of the way. Let's talk about Jack real quick. Jack Shepard. Originally, from IMDb's trivia page, Michael Keaton was cast as Jack. In the first draft of the script, Jack was to be killed by the monster after they arrived at the cockpit. ABC told the producers that they shouldn't kill off the hero so soon in the series, and the script was changed. After the change, Michael Keaton backed out of the role since he did want to, not want to commit to a regular series. How do you feel about Michael Keaton almost being Jack Shepard? <laughs> I can't see him being the Jack that we got that's Too old. the main character of the show. Uh, but if they were going to do it that way, that'd be cool. But they didn't, so... Uh, yeah. So we got stuck with Matthew Fox. Um, uh, I don't like Matthew Fox very much. Yeah. Uh, I, I always think about... Now when I go back and watch Lost, or if I go back and watch an episode, Family Guy has really ruined him for me, because the only thing I can think of now is the episode where... where he's breathing. Yeah, really where he's really. breathing really... <sighs> Kate. Kate. <sighs> we have to... And it's it's so true. Yeah. Matthew Fox can't say a sentence in Lost without breathing and he's six always, times. He's always sweating. It's... 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> he's just exhausted constantly. He has his moments, especially when it's between him and his dad. Uh, those, oh, are those are super are touching, super really well scenes. done things. But and I and I showed you a, a scene on YouTube the other day that I wanted you to watch, and it was the the interaction at the end of season one when between Sawyer, Sawyer and Jack. Because in season one, you, there's a flashback of Sawyer, and he meets Christian Shepherd in Sydney before Sawyer goes on to kill this guy. But he starts talking about his son, and like you. As, you know, the form of dramatic irony, you know that Jack's his son, but Sawyer at the time didn't know. And then he finally realizes it. And then there's this just this beautiful moment where Sawyer is talking about how he's like, I met this guy Christian and he just wished that him and his son had a big falling out and he just wished that he could patch things up and stuff like that. And I think that's actually one of the moments that Matthew Fox kind of gives a pretty good performance in that scene. Um He's got a good face. Yeah, I, I, so I, there are some good moments that he has. I'll always just wise. go back to the scene where he's trapped in the in the room with the glass thing with the girl or whatever, and he's just like, like banging on the yeah. door. And yeah, he's got his highs, he's got his lows. Is the main we're supposed to relate to him as the main character, and uh, I don't know if you're su- like supposed to relate to him as because he's very. I want to. Can you classify him as a hero? I mean, there's so many flaws, but yeah, but he's they the kind leader. of build him to be the de facto leader. He's yeah, the leader, sure. So, and you know, yeah, the, the show him. opens with his eye opening, and it ends with him dying and closing his eye. Yeah, he's the main um, character. I'd yeah, say. I guess. But if you had to put a main character in Lost, it's him. Yeah, and John could have been a main character, but they killed him. So, oh well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jack has, he's probably got one of the heavier on-screen time allotments. I think he's second to like Hugo. I think Hugo has the most, the highest episode count because Hugo's awesome. But Hugo, uh, played by Jorge, Jorge Garcia, was the first person cast for the entire series. Also from the IMDb trivia page. Because he's a boss. He is a boss. Yeah. Total boss. So yeah, Jack, the, big, the thing that I like about Lost is the theme of the show, for the most part, is all these characters are flawed and they are lost in their life at the beginning of the show and they don't either know what their purpose is or they're not really understanding, you know, what's going on with their life. And then they need ways to uh, resolve these conflicts and these inner demons and then they wind up going to the island and dealing with them in a larger scale with other people. And so Jack's biggest flaw is that he always has to have something to fix and he's always trying to you know, save somebody because as a surgeon, you know, if he messes up, it tears him apart. So the the biggest reason why he's, and we'll talk about her next, is the biggest reason why he's attracted to Kate and why he cares about her so much is she's a very flawed character and he thinks that he can save her, save her just because he's good at saving people surgically and he thinks he could fix her because she, you know, is a con, she's a convict that's always on the run and he thinks he can change he can change her character. And to end the thing on Jack, uh, from the IMDb trivia page, it says, Jack, played by Matthew Fox, is the character with the most, quote, centric episodes of any of the show's characters, a total of 19. So I'm assuming this means like flashbacks episodes and flash based on the specific character. Yeah. Uh, Fox is the actor who appeared in the most episodes of the entire show, 109 oh. out of 120 episodes, including episodes with two or three parts. Interesting. I will say that the... The season three finale, where there is the, fl- it's like the first flash forward is actually the season three finale. The season three finale where Jack is, he's got the beard and he's all doped up on we drugs. We have to go back. And he's drunk all the time. I actually, I do really like that, um, that season finale a lot. So, next let's talk about K. 
Kate Austin, played by Evangeline Lilly, the bae of the show. Um, very shallow character. <laughs> she uh, she killed her... Mostly st- eye candy in that first season. She, she, so her story is she killed her stepfather uh, because he was mean to her mom. Uh, and then you go into a lot of these other weird backstory stuff. But her, her main flaw is that she's always on the run and she can't stay in one place at one time. Uh, so that's the big thing with her. She is in love with two guys for most of the show between Jack and Sawyer. Winds up with Jack by the end of it. What do you think about Kate at all? Do you have anything to add for her? Uh, She's pretty easy to figure out. I got a trivia thing. She doesn't really know what she wants. Uh, originally, Kate was supposed to have been 30-something businesswoman in the, originally when yeah, she, she was Yeah, she was supposed to be the main character of the show. Uh, her husband was supposed to have died in, a, in the crash, and when Jack died in the original script, Kate would have become the leader of the group. And uh, that's fascinating. I think the biggest reason why I like Kate is that I like Evangeline Lilly. Definitely. Yeah. So I think she's great as an actress. Um, the but character I do think, yeah, is I do very think, crappy, though. Oh, it's one she's of those... very... Th- just Sometimes she just drives you crazy. Well, it's one of those things where you sit down and think about her character for too long and you start realizing that she's actually kind of... She kind of sucks. She's like a terrible person. Yeah, yeah, it's the Seinfeld phenomenon. If you like think about what these people are doing in their lives too hard, you're like... Wow, these are scumbags, and I don't yeah. actually really want to watch this. Yeah. But, yeah, so Evangeline Lily is definitely the thing where she's not... Her Kate kind of sucks. Oh, yeah, she's a terrible person. Uh, but and, like, I think why, she does a good job as performing her. Why performing. all these guys are just falling head over heels for her, I'll never understand in this show. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of falling head over heels, do you want to dive into the other end of that love triangle? Go yeah. ahead and knock it out. Let's Josh Holloway's character, Sawyer, uh, a.k.a. James Ford, is a con man who winds up on the island. He has a very dark past with his parents uh, suffering from a long con and then ultimately committing suicide when he's a small boy. So then he devotes kind of like his life's mission is to hunt down his parents' killer and then execute him himself. Mm. Uh, He's a very complex character. He's very well-versed in literature, so he has a really... He's he's got a lot of funny one-liners where he calls people by different nicknames, and that's one of the... You know, the coolest tropes of his character is, you know, he'll call Hugo Jabba and stuff like that. And so he'll just be throwing out all of these references. And it's it's cool to see how well-versed the writers of the show were. And they kind of they kind of inserted that into his character. Yeah. Um, I think he's a very entertaining character. Also a really crappy person. But he's a very, he's just fun. He's fun to watch. You know, he's pretty funny. Sometimes he's really cool. You yeah, know, he's the wise. joker. But then he'll he'll turn on you and he'll just like pull the rug out from under you and then you'll realize that he can be kind of an asshole sometimes. Yeah. So. Fascinating trivia here. Josh Holloway was trying to cover up his southern accent while shooting several of his first scenes in the first season, but it wasn't until producer J.J. Abrams told him that the reason they cast him was because of his accent, <laughs> and uh, so Holloway changed it. Yeah. There are still some scenes left in the pilot where he doesn't use part of his southern accent. Yeah. Do you remember those scenes? Uh, not vividly, but you can catch on to it, definitely. Yeah. That's, I think that's totally fascinating. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. Josh Holloway puts out a really good performance in the this, in this series, uh, being the grounded person. I, it, it the makes, economist, if you will. Yeah, it makes sense that you would see that he he's the one that would be like, what in the hell is going on? Like, he, he never truly believes that in anything any is actually stuff. happening. He just yeah. believes in the real world, and he just believes in looking out for himself and then maybe a couple other people. But he will go to whatever end to get what he needs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is cool, and he, he's got some good episodes as well in terms of backstory. He does. There's a great episode where he's in prison, 
and he's conning this guy who thinks he's being conned into like giving him this information so that he can take years off his sentence. But the guy looks like George Costanza from Seinfeld. And there's just this great scene where the guy's like, he's patching jeans and Josh Holloway walks up and he's pushing this trash thing. And he's like, he's like, so did the warden talk to you about the money that he's after yet? And he's like, what? He's like, what do you think the warden likes you? Cause he thinks you're cute Costanza. So it's just his, his literary references and his, Pop culture references are hilarious to me, and I always find them really great. Yeah. So he's also tough as nails. So. Uh. So let's talk about favorite characters, right? Yeah. Just so list. Uh, give me a some, couple. Those of are some heavy hitters. Uh, I like a lot of the ones that we already talked about. The three. Those uh, are your favorites. No, or? no, no, no. No, my favorite character is Desmond Hume okay. by far. Uh, Desmond Hume introduced in the second season. You know he crashed on the island on a whoa. Crashed on an island. What poster was that? Was that Empire? Empire, yeah. <laughs> There's a ghost in here. That's pretty funny. Yeah, he crashed on the island in a, in a boat race, um, and then he wound up living in the hatch for a while. Becomes the main character in the show in season three, like we talked about. I think Desmond has the strongest flashback and backstory game. I think he, um, Henry, I, Henry Ian Cusack, who is the actor who plays him, delivers fantastic performances and everything every moment that he has in the show, even though some of the stuff that they have him do might be kind of crazy. Um, but I, I just liked that character so much, and he's got the Scottish accent, which I like, and he's really cool. His relationship with Penny, I think, is very compelling, and it's beautiful, and it's very it's a very constant thing to the show where there's all this crazy stuff going on with time travel and uh, light corks and smoke monsters and stuff like that, and he's just focusing on getting back to his the woman that he loves, who he messed up the relationship with too many times. So he's got a really good redemption story. Cool character, delivers his performances really well. He's definitely my favorite. A lot of my favorite episodes are the ones that have his backstory. Yeah, Desmond's as, good. Uh, Desmond's con- on my list too. Yeah, such as The Constant, which is a big one we'll talk about later. So. Yeah. Uh, Charlie is on my list. Yes. Big yeah. fan of Charlie. I have, I have like three that are on my list of favorite, and both of those are on there. Yeah, love Dominic Monaghan. I love the performance that he puts out. He's great. Uh, he originally, from the IMDb page, auditioned for the role of Sawyer. Do you know that one? Yes. Who uh, was originally supposed to be a suit-wearing city con man. The producers were so <laughs> enthused by Monaghan that the part of Charlie was altered to accommodate him. Charlie was originally going to be a 45-year-old washed-up rock star. Uh, Charlie's awesome. He's Love great. Dom. Oh, Love yeah. Dominic Monaghan. He's, he's, he's fantastic. Awesome. Also has really good... Empire's just he's, not wanting to stay up right now. It's striking back. <laughs> Uh, he has got a lot of really good flashback episodes as well. Yeah. Um, uh, I also have written down good luck. Good luck. <laughs> like not bad luck. Yeah. Luck. <laughs> uh, John Locke, John Locke is, is up there. I really like Hurley. Um, yeah. Jorge Garcia. Uh, yeah. He's a great character. He's very, he's just fun, man. He's just funny. And he's always trying to be that, that positive influence. And, uh, his flashback game might not be, you know, as like grounded as I remember the rest. getting kind of upset during the mental hospital scenes. Yeah, like, because it's kind of weird with like the whole lottery thing and whatnot. Oh, the lottery. Yeah, he's the, he's the lottery winner, but I like Hurley a lot. Charlie's good. John Locke, though, yeah. is a fantastic character, and Terry O'Quinn just commands the scenes that he's in. Yeah. And then they shafted us by killing him off. And totally we've already talked us. about that frustration. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's phenomenal as Shout well. out to Richard Halpert also. Yeah, Richard Alpert? Halpert. Halpert. Yeah. Alpert. Richard Jim Halpert. Halpert. Yeah. Jim Halpert. <laughs> that's exactly, that's yeah. what I was saying. And, and it's finally on the him. ground. No more further, <laughs> no more further distractions, kids, I promise. That's pretty funny. No, yeah. now your other posters are going to start going down <laughs> one by one. They're all just like, 
It's the ghost from Bioshock. Yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah, yeah, Richard Alpert, he, play, he plays the mayor in The Dark Knight. Did you know that? <laughs> I did know that. Yeah. No more dead cops! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Richard uh, Alpert's up there. Benjamin Linus is also... I thought I had some Richard Alpert quote. Never mind. I don't. Never mind. Benjamin Linus is really good. Um... But, I mean, the ensemble overall is, is pretty fantastic. Sun and Jin have strong moments. Saeed is also a really good one. Yeah. Who uh, are some of your least favorite characters? We've already talked Nikki about... Nikki and Paolo. Uh, Boone. Shannon. Oh, Boone. Get out of here. I hate Boone so much. Um, Boone, Shannon, Ana Lucia. Yes. Do not like Ana Lucia. Michael and Walt. Wow! Um, Jacob. <laughs> the smoke monster. Any characters from season six? Daniel Faraday, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. Because he's always like, if the past really happened in the past, <laughs> then it's not the future. And Desmond Hume is my constant. And it's just nuts. Uh, I don't really like any of those people they're introduced, including Miles and Charlotte, even though Miles is J.J. Abrams' boy and he's in The Force Awakens and stuff like that. Miles is kind of a stupid character oh yeah but i like lapidus he's cool lapidus is cool because he's basically sully yeah <laughs> <laughs> i could fly this plane how hard can it be it's let's El, get this El thing goddamn lost yeah. island yeah um charles woodmore's okay but they kind of wrote him out every now and then mm-hmm. and he they built him up to be a good villain and then he wasn't um who else do I not really like? Who was the mob guy that had uh, Saeed in that room where he's he's got that, like, he's cooking eggs and he asks yeah, for an Kimi. egg? I hate that actor. Yeah. Well, I don't hate that actor. I, if you want to come on the show, more props, buddy. But I, that character sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that character uh, just I don't sucks. like Kimi. Um, I, think that, I think we covered all the ones that I really dislike. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki and Paulo are the worst, though. Uh, in terms of characters and numbers here, I got some ones to throw around for you. From the trivia page on IMDb, it says, Of the six mysterious numbers, 23 is used the most. Kate gets turned in for $23,000. 23 people are on a deck. Hurley stepped out on and collapsed. Two died. Flight 815's gate number is 23. Jack's seat number is 23. The room number where the Dharma group do experiments is number 23. The table many of the survivors sit at when attending Drive Shaft's concert in the series finale is table 23. And 23 passengers survived the tail end crash of the plane. You all, everybody. You all, everybody. All right. So that was was good character coverage real quick. So what's next? Uh, Next on the docket talk about some episodes let's okay. get some episode specific here now you went through and you wrote down a couple of episodes is there yeah. any that you want to talk about first uh through the looking and then glass we can kind of go back and forth from there through the looking glass i remember being a pretty the season three finale yes yeah. is, is also really good that's a two-parter um that's with the the hydro state yeah. not the hydro station the uh the pearl the underwater station mm-hmm. um that ultimately ends you know with charlie sacrificing himself to you know, save the rest of the survivors on the island and let them know that the freighter that they thought was coming to save them wasn't. It's a really strong... The last three episodes of season three are really strong Charlie episodes. Uh, one of my favorites in season three is Greatest Hits. And that, you were oh, talking yeah. about that earlier. Greatest Hits is also on my list. Greatest Hits top. is the episode leading right up to the looking glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes through... Charlie is making this list uh, with the Sharpie of the, like the five greatest moments in his life and it's building up and they got these nice little flashbacks and stuff like that um it's a really powerful and it's a really emotional episode um did you want to talk any about that at all no 
it's we don't just, need. I don't think we need to cover every yeah. single detail from everything. If you've if you've listened this far, you've watched the show, so yeah, I think we can just talk about just, the things that we liked specifically. It's just really fantastic. It's one yeah. of his better episodes, definitely. Uh, I have the constant written down. Yes, uh, the constant fantastic is my favorite episode of the entire show. <laughs> actually, uh, the pilot written down. Obviously, I think that's a you know fantastic way to open the series, and yeah. I think that you know obviously they dumped so much money into it. It makes sense that it would be a great episode. Uh, I also have Abaterno, which is I think is one of the only good episodes the in the final six. two seasons. Yeah. Uh, I I like Richard Alpert as a character, and I Ricardo's. think Ricardo's. Yeah, I just think that that's a really well shot and really well directed episode. It and, is. Uh, that was like an outside director. Too, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, that came in. And I think that that would have. I think those last two seasons would have benefited from more episodes like that. Like, yeah. And granted, that that's exactly kind of the opposite of what I usually like is taking someone and just like hammering their backstory but with someone like Richard Alpert like he didn't have any backstory no and that was really fascinating to to have that episode just focus all about him and I I I just remember that being really special and I remember when I saw that on TV I was like oh wow I can't believe they did that (laughs) yeah that's cool there's a there's another one called uh, Catch 22 which is a Desmond episode where it's basically where he because at the end of season two the big hatch explodes Mm. um, and so it fills in the gap, and in Catch-22 is about what happened when he passed out after the hatch exploded. It teleported his conscious almost back in time, and it's leading up to the day that he uh, breaks off his engagement with Penny. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite Desmond episodes. I think there's a really beautiful score in there and stuff like that, but it's just fun. It's got him and Charlie and Hurley and stuff like that, and so his relationship to- with Penny is kind of... It's developed more leading up to and it's a really strong precursor to watching the constant i don't think the constant would be anywhere near as special if you hadn't seen catch 22 in season three so um, if you had to list your three my three yeah like top three favorite i episodes. got two more big ones that i would want to talk about okay, and then i could one. i could do a three um another one is men of science men of faith which is the season two opener mm-hmm. uh which opens with jack and Locke and kate going down into the hatch they meet desmond and that's the big thing where it starts the season two theme of science versus faith and fate versus fact and stuff like that and i think that that was just a really cool way to open it because as soon as season one ended and you see they're looking down into this deep hatch with a ladder you're like what is going on down there and you you finally get to see it's a nice payoff i think it's really good um and then a big one for me is the fourth episode of season one which is called walkabout uh, which is where that's a good one the entire episode is john Locke's flashback story and he's sitting down the whole time but you don't notice why, uh, but in all of his scenes, and then it basically leads up to you finding out that he's in a wheelchair and he wanted to go on a walkabout in Australia. And then they send him home on the plane. The plane crashes on the island and he wakes up and there's all this chaos going around during the plane crash and his toes start to wiggle and he stands up and he just smiles. I just, it was so good. Yeah. I'm getting choked up just talking about it. It's so powerful. It's such a, it's just a good way of him acting without having to say anything. Um, so that's one of my favorite episodes yeah. as well. It's a shame they ruined that character. <laughs> they didn't ruin the character. They just shorted him. They that's really true. did. Uh, all the stuff that he was in was fine. It's when they started to make him be the bad guy. That it's just weird. They could have picked anybody else. And they had to go with Locke. They had to pick Locke. Like, why couldn't it have been Boone? Why couldn't it have been Hurley? <laughs> no, that would have sucked. <laughs> that would have sucked. Uh, yeah. I anybody think else. <laughs> literally. Literally. Jin? Anyone else. Oh, the- that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so what we, let's try to round this thing off. We've got a few things on here that you wanted to discuss. Is there anything super paramount that you wanted to get to? 
Uh, let me look at my list real quick. You didn't want to rank any episodes or anything like that. I think I just ranked my episodes. Yeah, I think we got it good. I'd probably go with constant walkabout and then um, catch twenty two and greatest hits are kind of tied there. But Abiturno is also a really good pull. I like that one a lot. Um, we kind of discussed a lot of this stuff through my list without actually physically touching on it. We talked about the impact. We talked about why we like the show. You know, we talked about characters and stuff like that. I think, you know, the biggest the biggest part about Lost is just being able to immerse yourself into that world and to being connected with those characters. Agreed. Um, and as crappy as some of the plots might have been developed into... I think I still think overall it's a pretty strong show. It's still probably my favorite TV show. I just have a lot of fond memories with it, and I keep like diving back in for more. Lost is the first show that uh, I had a connection with while it was on the air, and so it's it's Lost is always going to be special to me because it was the first like series that I watched. Uh, of course, I watched you know Batman the animated series, or I watched. Uh, Seinfeld, Friends, I had watched a bunch of shows that had definite ends and be- beginnings and ends, and uh, but nothing like Lost. And Lost gave way to shows like Breaking Bad, Flash Forward, and uh, now Mr. Robot, which is one of my favorite shows, and, and Stranger Things. And Lost was really one of the sh- first like series shows that had this grounded weight and this overarching sort of narrative. And uh, so, yeah, it's always going to be a special show, but... I uh, I have trouble looking back on it as fondly as you do because I just I do think that it is the case of as much as I would like to have the separation, those last few seasons really do mar the beginning because it does it definitely if, does I'll admit it, to it yeah, I'm the well, biggest Lost if, fan probably that you've ever come into contact with but I will admit that the last two seasons undercut a lot of the beauty that they had developed yeah. in the first four and you have to. You have to understand that, you know, a lot of these, a lot of people tend to say, but like, well, they didn't know where they were going until they got there. And so you can't really, you can't really shame the first few seasons because they weren't working towards this. It's like, you have to, you 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 can't separate, you have to have an end goal. And so whether or not their end goal was going to be this whole Christianity, spirituality, uh, look uh, like this spiritual look allegory at, yeah, yeah of life and island and purgatory and and the catholic faith and the church and whatever you want to call it i just don't think that you can't separate them there are series there's a season one two three four five and six there if they if they wanted to tell that story they would have told that story separately but they didn't they they put it all together and i do think lost is one of those shows where it would have I think it would have helped the show if they just called it early, but I do think Lost was treading that water between the era of shows where they knew let's how long let it go as long go. as we can. Let's keep it going as long as there's interest in it. We can still make money. Like How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, exactly. And How I Met Your Mother is a fantastic show, and I've been rewatching it every now and then. I'll pick up an episode or two, but man, season eight on, those last two seasons ruined that show. Because they finally decided they needed to end it, and they didn't know how. And they they ruined it. They That's rushed it. That's kind of how The it Office ends, too. It was awful. After yeah. Michael Scott leaves on The Office, it just really yeah. takes a steep dive. The Office should have ended when my, Michael Scott's the main... It's the same thing. Michael Scott's the main character of The Office. When, That's that, the thing, when though, he leaves, it was, the it, show should be over, but they could lost, still extract they the funds. They the main character so. till the end, but yeah. Uh, but 
Yeah, How I Met Your Mother, another great example. They they were in season six, and I think even season seven. Season seven is like the last thing where there's there's some bad plot stuff, but it's funny. There's funny episodes. Season eight, it's not funny. Season nine is definitely not funny. Not even Marshall can No, say. seriously, not even the best actor in that show can save that <laughs> show. And, well, Neil Patrick Harris is probably the better actor. That's a whole other discussion, but... Uh, How I Met Your Mother cast, coming soon. God, I would love to... T- that show's so good. Um, but, yeah it mars the rest of the show and so i think that's my big takeaway is that as much as i would like to look back fondly i look back fondly on moments but on the show as a whole if i had to rate lost on the patented radiovania 20 point scale i'd probably give it like a six six five uh it passes but barely there are two seasons worth of show that i don't and i think that you know you dock points uh, i mean if you're going based on a six point sale you know if you're taking a quiz with six questions, you miss two questions, you're a four out of six. That's not a very good grade. Yeah. So I don't know. I um, As a critical scale, I would give it critically a seven. Personally, like eight and a half. <laughs> but no, my, that's how, that's how my a lot opinion of doesn't work. really no, mean I, a lot. You know what I mean? But I understand where the critical reception is coming from. And I understand from a storytelling perspective how... You as a you know connoisseur, if you will, of you know film and storytelling sure. stuff like that, have a huge issue with it because I have issues with it as well. But I just love it so much that I can move past it. It's kind of like the Star Wars prequel type thing too. Yeah, and the Star Wars that's a good that's a good uh, parallel too. But uh, we won't dive into that. But the, the How I Met Your Mother parallel is like if I had to rank that show in like a personal love, it's like a ten. Yeah. I think How I Met Your Mother those first seven seasons are perfect sitcom. They're perfect. The character interactions, the story elements, the comedy is well-timed, the setting, everything is perfect. But if I had to rate it on a critical scale, honestly, it's that show's like a five. Wow. That show's like a five or a six because honestly, there are plots Hard that don't... There's, there are plots in that show that don't go anywhere. There are characters that are pointless, that are written in and written out. There are questionable elements in the relationships of these characters and uh i think that's a totally fascinating discussion to have that we could probably say for late night is like how do you distinguish between the critical and personal love of a television or a piece of fiction because there are there are so many things there are so many about that for hours there are so many crappy things that i love that are actually pretty bad and like yeah uh you know it doesn't bother me uh and it doesn't bother me that you like lost so much i think that one of the great things about lost is that you know, it can, it, 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 when I was watching it, it engendered these kind of discussions. And I think that that's what fiction, good fiction should do is, um, you know, enrich our lives in some aspect and it's definitely enriched mine. And so I think that it succeeded in many aspects. Did it succeed in its story? I don't think so, but did it succeed in, you know, entertaining story arcs and (laughs) entertaining character dialogue moments and, uh, you know, well, sh- the the show even to the end is like well directed and shot. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. It's just that the writing and the story elements and the pacing is what tended to s- screw it up, shoot itself in the foot most of the time, if you will. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there you have it, kids. The Lost Cast, and uh, you know, this was the podcast that the island demanded, and so. <laughs> We had to turn that big old <laughs> wheel to make sure this yeah. one came out. So right. So we're we're turning the wheel, and you know, I hope you hope you guys enjoyed it. We like talking about stuff like this, and you know, I'm glad that we we're able to finally sit down and do this Lost Cast because we've been talking about it for a long time, and I wanted to hear Zach's opinions on it from 
a person who might not be as big of a fan of it as I am, but appreciates some of the aspects of it. So thank you for sitting down and taking an hour and however long this is out of your day to talk about a six and a half out of 10 show. (laughs) Dude, I do an hour and a half show on Batman v Superman. We have done that, I think. That's right, we have done that. I do an hour and a half show on the Ben Affleck's Daredevil with him. Ooh. (laughs) TBD. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Uh, But yeah, yeah, one of the things you had written on your list that we didn't really get to, but we did, like you said, we covered a lot of it in the season's run-throughs, and I think it... uh, the pacing of the show worked its way out, but um, uh, shows impact to this day. Yeah. Uh, I definitely don't hear people talk about Lost anymore. And uh, that's fascinating to me because it was such a big part of my life for so many years. And even when it did get sort of iffy towards the end, it was still, you know, that water cooler talk. And I, and, uh, the, I remember there being a significant gap between Lost and Breaking Bad when I didn't have a show like that. And then Breaking Bad came along and changed the, the game for me. And I do think that is that is an entire show of perfectness. I think Breaking Bad is perfect from end to end. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but Breaking Bad is amazing. Breaking Bad is just, it's phenomenal. And, uh, and we'll dive in on other TV shows. Oh, yeah. And but we'll do like a TV show late night one time or something because I don't think we've done that yet. But that'd, that's be, true. that'd be a good time to talk about. Top 10 TV shows. Seinfeld, Office, oh, Breaking God. Bad, How I Met Your Mother, Stranger Things, <laughs> The Flash, which Zach loves. I'm starting it. Oh, really? I'm going to start it. It's on, my Netflix. it's on my Netflix list. Okay. Season one, amazing. Season two, it's still good. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, season one's really good though. So, Besides the uh, what do you episode. think the show's impact has been to this day? Um, I actually would have to agree with you. It's it's kind of something that's lost in uh, time, if you will. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> Had to do it. I would send it there. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do it. It's uh, It was really popular at the time, and I think you're right. I think it was just, it was the thing that you talked about. It was the big drama show for six years. It was a, it was CBS's it was only ABC. Show, yeah. It was ABC, the right. show. And uh, unfortunately, I, I don't see it. I mean, like it might be in like, one, it will be in like one of those top 50 shows type deal lists. It'll always be out. in like the cult top because of, Because of the cult following of it and oh, stuff yeah. like that. But in terms of like, I do think some of the sci-fi and the storytelling elements with flashbacks and flash forwards are pretty unique to that show. And, and I do think and every time I see elements of that in movies and stuff like that, I do kind of think that they are pulled from that, obviously, exactly. unless it took place before that. But there aren't a whole lot like that. Yeah, that was what I was going to add is yeah. that I think that Lost has, if there's anything influential that Lost has done, I think that sci-fi it gave a, a sort of a breath of fresh air to the sci-fi genre. And Definitely. I do see a lot of TV shows now and movies and even in its time, like... I remember like Flash Forward. It, it, it I like Flash Parallel Forward for the universes. season that was on, but whatever. But that totally yeah. ripped off that format, which isn't a bad thing. I, the flashback sort of like non-linear storytelling is a huge thing in sci-fi now and in thrillers. And Stranger Things is doing that. Like Stranger Things d- tells a lot of its story through flashbacks, and that's that's a total Lost thing. Not many shows were doing that before Lost. Lost, Lost really mainstreamed a lot of the weird things that we enjoy in fiction now. And I think that is its biggest that legacy. That has a lot to do with Abrams, Lindelof, and Cuse, particularly Lindelof and Abrams when they kind of came up with that. You know, And who knew, who knew if they were going to you know, dive into all the crazy stuff when J.J. was still on board? But when J.J. set the tone with that first pilot episode with having 
the disaster and then jumping back to what happens before the plane crash where you kind of get a little backstory from those characters. It's, it's cool. So, I mean, it might not have as big of a cult impact like shows today do. Like everyone watched Stranger Things this season. And if you didn't, or this summer, if you didn't, then you were a loser. But like, it's not, if you didn't, you were out of the loop. It's not like, there's not like people like, Oh dude, you seen lost, right? You know, it's like, you have like your breaking bad and your stuff like that. that are kind of like must see shows. And so people always ask me what my favorite is or like, they'll be like, what do you like watching? And I'll tell them that. And they'll be like, oh, and I'll be like, I also like the office. They'll be like, yeah, the office is cool. And I'm just like, oh. uh, so my last, like, question. just give it a chance and you might be disappointed, but it's, I think it's worth the ride. Yeah. My last question to you is, do you think we see it again? Lost. Yeah. Do you think we ever see the lost universe in any sort of format, whether it's a reboot, a retelling, a spinoff or anything? Do we ever see more lost in our lifetime? No. You don't think so? I think somewhere someone's kicking around doing a spinoff I have great ideas for what they could do with stuff like that, but I don't think it'll happen. Really? I think you could do a little bit of what takes place after the show with Hurley. Um, and ben. I don't think it would be any of the same characters. It might not be honestly. like that. You could do a show about who knows something that has to do with people that are experiencing um, what's going on on the other sides, so like people that aren't on the island. You could do stuff like that, but I don't think we'll see anything more. I think honestly, in the next five to ten, fifteen years, you could see a company like Netflix or Amazon doing and Netflix presents like the lost miniseries or something like that. And it's eight or nine episodes. They bring back JJ Abrams and they do like a, a small story about another Walt. group. Like no <laughs> different, completely. I say you never mention any of the other characters. Like, like you go to the Island. I think you do the, go to the Island and you, you talk more about that or maybe go to another Island where the Dharma initiative had their fingers in it. Like, yeah, I cool. think that the universe of lost has more lore to give them what they did. It's definitely give us. a very interesting and unique world that you could develop more out of. And can you imagine the excitement of people if they announced that lost was coming back, even in this sort of like spinoff form, like, I think that that's a gold mine worth of cash that they're just sitting on. Yeah, so whoever's got the rights ABC. to the lost universe, then ABC. I think they're kicking around seriously on doing some sort of revitalization of the genre or the, the, the content. That'd be cool. I'd be the first in line, but we'll see. All right. Take us home, John. So, well, thank you guys for listening so much. This has been the Lost Cast on Radiovania. You can check out the show at Radiovania on Twitter. You can check out Radiovania.com. Listen to us on YouTube and Spreaker. Zach Rotello joined me today at Zach Rotello. I am John Parker. Thank you very much for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. At that John Parker on Twitter. Uh, Tweet at us. Email us at uh, at RadioVaniaShow at gmail.com. Let us know if you have anything else you want us to talk about. You know, send us questions for a regular show. Do check out the regular show if you're just checking in on this just because you're a Lost fan. That's great. We got a lot of other stuff that we like to talk about that hopefully you like too. If you're a big Batman fan, we just spent a half an hour talking about Batman Batman earlier today. So, but anyway, thank you guys for joining us very much, and uh, namaste. (laughs) Great.
If you've got an insurance question, you could talk to a park ranger, but the only quotes they'd probably give you would be about the beauty of a fallen leaf or ripples in a pond, not the kind that could save you money on your policies. Or you could talk to your local Geico agent, who's an expert navigator of the insurance landscape. They could use their expertise to guide you on ways to save hundreds on your policies, while leaving it up to your park ranger to save the wilderness and any endangered picnic baskets. Go online to geico.com local to find a Geico agent near you. This week at Macy's, it's time to update your home with 25 to 50% off clearance, plus an extra 20% off with your coupon or Macy's card. Or shop specials, like an extra 15% off kitchen essentials, like blenders, food prep, and more. Brand new bedding, 60% off. And the Radley five-piece chaise sectional, $1,879. Now at Macy's. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Savings off sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply.